0: Welcome back to Samwise. It's our first episode of 2019 and I am so very excited. It's been a little bit. I have traveled New Zealand and somehow also picked up a cold upon getting back to the United States. It's almost like I never should have come back. I'm kidding. It was really great to see my dog. But yeah, no, wonderful trip. Super excited to be back answering questions with you. But first, I actually wanted to talk about something that caught my fancy this week. The American Psychological Association actually released guidelines for treating men and boys for better mental health. A big part of this is because our culture prizes stoicism and conflates masculinity with being tough, violent, risky, and emotionally avoidant. It's great that we're actually acknowledging male emotions and that guys sometimes need mental and emotional help too, and that it's not a sign of weakness. But as per usual people, people being men who are in fact tough, violent, stoic, and who think strength is the same thing as flexing, reacted to this news badly, claiming that they're being stripped of their identities as men and threatened. They're pretending that all masculinity is being labeled toxic rather than acknowledging that this document has a purpose, and that purpose is to support a healthy way to be a dude. Now, the Lord of the Rings films, because it all comes back to that, obviously, are examples of what healthy masculinity can be. The Fellowship are rugged as hell. No one's denying that Aragorn is a competent, strong leader who can kick butt, or that Gimli is a hardy and stalwart fighter. There's no denying that. And one does not simply cast Sean Bean if they aren't trying to be hella doodly. But once they get past their initial petty arguments at the Council of Elrond, each of the nine are actually solid examples of different ways to be a healthy man. Frodo and Sam, for instance, as much as our culture likes to kind of poke fun at their relationship, are unashamed in the film world of their close and caring bond, and it's something we rarely get to see in popular culture. They are friends, and they let one another know how important they are. And similarly, Pippin and Mary, as much as they love joking around in the way that we we often say as boys being boys... They grow a lot from Gandalf's guidance. They grow into better hobbits, into better men. They take charge of the Ents, and they both learn lessons about what's valuable in life when they face off against Sauron in Return of the King. Now, Legolas manages to be pretty, connected with nature, stoic, and still very caring. When Aragorn returns after they thought him dead in Two Towers, he doesn't hide his smile and his relief at seeing his friend, even if that would be like the stoic thing to do. And he does also manage to inject a little bit of humor into the situation. All of this emotional nuance is captured in a fantasy action film trilogy that brought in millions at the box office and had a substantial male audience. So it's not that people are uncomfortable with the idea of quote-unquote softer, there's nothing soft about these guys, and more nuanced versions of masculinity. It's that these critics of the APA's new guidelines are the exact emotionally stunted goons that this document's looking to help. That word goon is mine, not theirs. Obviously, that's not a very psychologically friendly word, I suppose. And before we get to questions, I just want to point out that the trilogy, although generally credited solely to Peter Jackson, was also produced and written by two female creators, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, and that the effects team from Weta are not just the brainchild of Richard Taylor, but also of his wife and what co-founder, Tanya. When women have a voice... Men have the space for more nuance. How cool is that? And now, on to the good stuff. The questions. This question comes from the Samwise text line. Samwise, what advice does Lord of the Rings have for someone dealing with shame or guilt? Alright. Shame and guilt are two really fascinating and frustrating emotions. They're fascinating in the short term, and they can be really useful for causing us to reflect and to modify our behavior. But in the long term, holding on to them, they can do serious damage if not combined with that two-step process. Reflect and modify. So several characters in the trilogy deal with shame, and they deal with it in vastly different ways with vastly different outcomes. The worst, kind of least successful at dealing with it is Gollum. He lets his shame for selfishly killing his cousin Deagle, Fester. The ring feeds off that shame and guilt, and it eventually rots and kills him from the inside out. He makes no attempt to reflect, and he makes no attempt to modify his behavior, and that shame spiral carries him into the literal fires of Mount Doom. So that's taking neither of those two steps. Now, Aragorn carried a lot of shame. He felt that as a human, he was ashamed of his lineage and he was inadequate to take up his rightful position on the throne of Gondor. He spends so much time reflecting that he gets lost in his head and he doesn't act. In the same time it takes him to get out of that spiral where he's just reflecting and just mulling it over... Saruman manages to overtake Rohan, and Denethor literally goes mad defending Osgiliath and loses one son and nearly kills another. In his personal life, Aragorn almost loses Arwen to the Grey Havens because of his shame and indecision. So don't just get stuck on that first step. That's not healthy either. You need to reflect and then act to modify. Now, Some people, they don't ever take a chance to reflect, and so they carry around shame that isn't theirs. This is Faramir. He felt like he'd let his dad down, and he constantly acted to please him, but he never stopped to reflect on whether or not Denethor's problems were actually his fault or his responsibility. And the fact is, they weren't Faramirs to deal with, and by plunging headfirst into that action to modify He nearly dies at multiple times, one of which is actually at the hands of his father. So take some time to make sure that that shame and guilt really belongs to you, and that it's not just something reflexive that you're feeling because you feel bad. Now, Gandalf is the opposite end of the spectrum of Gollum. He is great at dealing with shame and guilt. So he visits Saruman, his mentor, and he learns that he's in league with Sauron. And Gandalf feels terrible for having completely misjudged someone so close to him. He tells Frodo, I'm going to go see the head of my order. He's wise and powerful. He held Saruman in really high esteem. And in doing so, he also ends up abandoning the hobbits at the inn of the Prancing Pony. But he uses his time in prison at the top of Isengard to reflect and to form a plan. So he thinks things through. He kind of knows where his responsibility lies and also isn't afraid to be like, no, Saruman's bad like he's in cahoots with evil people this is not all this isn't all on me so he reflects he kind of figures out where his responsibility is and then he puts a plan into action he uses the moth to summon the eagles and he doesn't spend time even contemplating that hope might be lost or that he's not worth it because he messed up once he knows where he missed some things and he knows where he messed up and he works to rectify it to the best of his ability while not getting hung up on what he can't change. So be like Gandalf when confronted with shame or guilt. Take that two-step process. You've got this. Here's another question from the text line. I'm experiencing some big, unexpected, and unwanted changes heading into this new year. How can I deal with moving forward into the unknown? Thinking about moving forward and being scared or not knowing what to expect, I'm reminded of Frodo leaving Rivendell in the Fellowship. And as he passes through the Stone Gate, he looks to Gandalf and he whispers, Gandalf, right or left? He doesn't ask anything beyond that first step until after it's completed. In fact, Back at the Council of Elrond, fast forward, rewind, sorry, rewind just a little bit, when he agrees to take the ring, he says, I will take it. I will take the ring to Mordor, though I do not know the way. He's asking for help. And he gets eight volunteers, three of whom are hobbits who aren't in any better position than he is, but they're willing because they love him. He's their person. They're his fellowship. So, I would urge you to really lean heavily on your own fellowship, and don't be afraid to look in unexpected places for those people. You might find a dwarf and an elf who become friends on their own, and who become friends with you. You might also find someone who's a little obnoxious, an arrogant Boromir type, who ultimately means well, and whose muscle helps push you through some really hard times. It might be a Gandalf or an Aragorn, a leader with answers. Or it might be that you find some other hobbits. Someone who is just as scared and confused, but who's willing to hold your hand in the chaos and remind you that it's normal to feel discombobulated by the bad stuff. That that's okay, too, to feel your feelings and to just kind of own it. So I got to visit Rivendell, which was, for me, like visiting... Mecca, if I'm being honest, it was my pilgrimage. It's a lifelong dream of mine when I was in New Zealand. And it's actually the Kayatoka Regional Park in Upper Hutt, Wellington, and I got to go on Christmas Day. It was the best Christmas I've ever had, without a doubt. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a rainforest, and it feels kind of as special and mystical as Rivendell, while looking completely different. But they have left a smaller scale sculpture of Elrond's Gate, the one that Frodo walks through, in the area where they filmed. And it really struck me while I was there how many people this story has touched and how many people it's brought together. Not just Tolkien's original books, but the films as well. And not just one author, not just a director, but the the book editors, the, the craftspeople on the film, and the readers and audiences who have shared and loved and passed on these stories with the filmmakers and with each other. And it was just, it was such a beautiful place and such a beautiful moment and just a very reassuring thought to know that a story about elves and orcs and evil rings can resonate with people in such a special way. It can resonate with so many people. We aren't alone. You're not alone. Even if this next year is going to be crazy and scary. Even if you're facing down the dark hallways of Moria. You've got a Sam Hobbit right here in your corner, friend. I, I don't have any specific advice for you. I don't know your specific situation. I know not to follow your nose because that's how Gandalf found the Balrog. But... I'm here for you. We're here for you. You're going to find your fellowship and you are going to face this unknown and you're going to just, you're going to kick butt. I know it. Best of luck in this new year. Thank you so much for reaching out. Well, that brings today's episode to a close. Thank you so much for tuning in and please reach out to me with your questions. You can text or leave a voicemail at 608-561-2755 that's my google voice line it's also in the show notes or you can email me at sam.wise.ath at gmail.com you can also ask a question on the after the hype social channels that's our bigger network um that's found at after the hype on facebook you can also slide into my dms on instagram but like please not in a creepy or perverted way Um, I'm at Sammy Jane 613. That's also in the show notes. You can go to ATH podcast. That's the after the hype Instagram, or if you'd rather talk to my dog, even though she's like really not into Lord of the Rings, you can find her at Saint underscore Lottie L A D D I. And those are all appropriate places to ask questions, I guess. But most importantly, 608-561-2755 or sam.wise.ath at gmail.com. Be sure to also visit ATHpod.com where you can check out articles. I've been doing some writing. We've got a new writer working with us named Matt Dykes. He's awesome. The rest of the wonderful After the Hype crew post as always. Um, We have the After the Hype podcast every Thursday. There's some really great stuff coming up. I unfortunately missed my first episode this year because of this stupid cold, Um, but that's okay they've got some really great content coming down the pipeline there's also Venture Bros a Venture Brothers podcast which is always a delight and we've got a couple of new ones coming down the pipeline if you keep an eye on athpod.com and on our social channels I'm going to be doing one where I get to play a tiefling and a DD campaign that's going to be dope and we've got one that's all about dogs called a dogs podcast very very excited so make sure to check those out and please 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 reach out with any questions have a great week Bye!